Today, federal prosecutors unsealed a sweeping 49-page indictment against former President Donald Trump. Prosecutors allege that after leaving office, Trump held on to documents with information about sensitive military secrets, including details about U.S. nuclear programs and secret attack plans. The indictment says Trump knew he shouldn't have access to the documents and that he obstructed the government's efforts to get them back. Before it was unsealed, Trump called it a hoax. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax, just like Russia, 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 just like the fake dossier was a hoax. This is the second indictment Trump faces as the presidential election gets underway. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, June 9th. Coming up on the show, the United States of America versus Donald J. Trump. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Once I'd had a chance to read the indictment, I sat down with my colleague, Aruna Vishwanatha, to talk about it. Aruna covers the Justice Department. What stands out to you in the indictment at a high level? So usually indictments are very kind of terse. This isn't usually the venue where prosecutors need to prove their case. They just lay out what the charges are. In this instance, they've filed what's sort of colloquially known as a speaking indictment. They've really laid out the full story. And the full story here that they are trying to tell is that Donald Trump came into office criticizing his 2016 rival, Hillary Clinton, for her alleged mishandling of classified information, and so made a lot of comments at that point in which he seemed to be suggesting that he knew very clearly what he was supposed to be doing with classified information. And then when he left office, seemed to willfully decide that he didn't really need to apply those same rules to himself, and he could hang on to what he wanted and try to get his staff and lawyers to help him hang on to what he wanted, even if the government wanted it back. Okay, so let's start with the basics here. Why has former President Trump been indicted? What is this all about? So what this is about is, at the end of his administration, you know, if you remember back to January 2021, he's preoccupied with the election results. He thinks he's won. He thinks he's been wronged. He doesn't want to leave office. Nobody starts packing up. At the very last minute, it sinks in, you know, we really do have to get out of here. And his staffers are sort of hurrying up, just throwing stuff into boxes, getting stuff out the door. And in this chaos, a lot of boxes of stuff ends up getting brought down to Mar-a-Lago. In the course of the next year, the National Archives keeps asking for 
those records back because they're government property. Over the course of the year, he resisted doing that. Eventually, he turned some stuff over. And then the government doesn't believe he's turned everything over. They argue about it over the next many months. And after an investigation, the FBI and the Justice Department decide that he is held onto stuff and lied to them about having it and charged him with that crime now. Trump is facing 37 counts. What kind of counts are they? So he's charged with willfully retaining national defense information. He is charged with conspiring to obstruct justice, conspiring with his valet to obstruct justice. He's charged with corruptly concealing a document or record, similarly concealing a document in a federal investigation, scheming to conceal and making false statements. And 31 of the counts relate to the willful retention of documents. What does that mean? Right, so each count relates to a different document that he hung on to. And these are all documents that are classified or have classification markings of either being top secret, being derived from important intelligence, and each document is listed as its own count. There are two moments prosecutors cite where people outside of Trump's circle are made aware he had these documents. Let's talk about one of them. Tell us what happened at Bedminster between Trump and a book writer. Right. So the indictment highlights this episode, which us and other outlets have reported on in the past, where Trump is sitting with a a couple of other people, some of his aides, some people outside his circle. And he talks about an attack plan that the military had drawn up for him. And he makes clear that he has this document, he wants to show it to them, but it's secret, but he's going to tell them about it. But it's a secret between us. And isn't this so cool? That's the tenor of the meeting. And that's one that they very much harp on. And they have a transcript of it in the indictment. That's right. They have a recording of this meeting because the meeting was in preparation for a book. And so everyone knew they were recording the meeting for use at a later point. What are some of the things that are said? So the indictment says he's telling them about this attack plan He's saying, isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Isn't this amazing? This totally wins my case, you know? And the the staffers are just kind of like, mm-hmm. And he's like, except it's highly confidential. It's highly confidential. I can't share it with you. And the staffers are like, yeah, and they laugh. Yeah, (laughs) correct. And then what does Trump say? This is still a secret. And then the staffer laughs. See, as president, I could have declassified it. And the staffer says, yeah, laughing. And then Trump says, now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. And then the staffer says, yeah, now we have a problem. And then Trump says, isn't that interesting? Why do you think prosecutors included this? So it seems to highlight a lot of the things that the government needs to prove in order to make their case. They need to show that the former president knew what the process was, that He hadn't done it in a certain instance where he's trying to share the information anyway. And all of those things seem to be encapsulated in this transcript. So the indictment also gives us a picture of what these documents actually are. 
including defense and weapon capabilities of both the U.S. and foreign countries, U.S. nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the U.S. and allies to military attack, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. Why is it significant that these are the kinds of documents cited in the indictment? So these are the kinds of documents that any president is going to be briefed on regularly and the kinds of documents he's going to have presented to him. I think what prosecutors are trying to show here is that, yes, these are the types of very highly sensitive documents that the president would have access to, but these are explicitly the kinds of documents that they are not supposed to hang on to and that they are supposed to return. And so if he wants to try to use as a defense that He viewed them as mementos of his time in office. What prosecutors want to try to show is that these are nothing like what anyone would think of as mementos. These are serious plans that and serious intelligence that it would be very harmful if people without the authority to view them were able to view them. While this investigation was going on, other former and current leaders discovered they had some classified documents. President Biden and former Vice President Pence both found classified documents at their residences. What's the difference? So the investigation into the documents found at President Biden's home and former office is still underway. There is a special counsel that's investigating that, and that is still ongoing. But from what we know at this point— The documents found at President Biden's home and former office was a smaller number of documents were turned over immediately and proactively by his team to the Justice Department and not because the Justice Department found out separately and harassed them for them. So that seems to be the biggest difference in terms of what we know of these two episodes at this point. The same is true for former Vice President Mike Pence. His Lawyers found a small number of documents, proactively turned them over. The FBI investigated it, and the Justice Department closed that investigation earlier this month and said they weren't going to bring any charges. So that's where the difference is, sort of immediately and proactively responding to requests. Yes. In this instance, the indictment seems to paint this picture of former President Trump very much proactively trying to get his aides and staff to help him hide what he wanted to hang on to and to help him mislead his own lawyers about what documents still existed at his Mar-a-Lago resort and hang on to stuff. So what the separate special counsel investigating the Biden documents is presumably looking into is whether there was any similar effort by anyone in Biden's world to do something similar. But at this point, we have not seen any evidence that suggests there was any effort like that on that side. And that's where the counts of conspiracy to obstruct justice, corruptly concealing, and scheme to conceal come in. Yes, that's right. And can you describe what Trump attorney one said on page 25? Trump's attorney, who was supposed to go through all of these boxes of documents and pull out the remaining classified documents to hand over to the government— apparently recounts this conversation that he had with Trump in which he's telling Trump that he's collected a few dozen documents that he's going to hand over. And during that conversation, he says that Trump made what he describes as a plucking motion. It looked like he was basically telling him, 
why don't you take them with you to your hotel room? And if you find anything really bad, you know, take it out. And he made some kind of plucking motion, but he didn't physically say that. Okay. He's like, bring the box into your hotel room and then motioned to like take something out. But he didn't say it exactly. Take it out. Right. Th- that seems to be what uh, what the lawyer recorded happened. Right. And these are from Trump's own attorney's notes. Right. These are from his attorney's notes, which prosecutors were able to get a hold of. Okay. The indictment names a co-conspirator, a man named Waltine Nauta. What do you know about him? So he is Trump's sort of longtime, essentially his valet. He was his military valet in the White House. He developed a close relationship with him, came down to Mar-a-Lago with him. And the indictment includes a lot of descriptions about what Nauta did. And according to this indictment, he helped Trump move a lot of these boxes around that housed classified information when Trump knows his lawyer is coming to Mar-a-Lago to search and recover all of the classified information. Nauta allegedly takes dozens of boxes out of the storage room, takes it to Trump's residence, helps him sort of go through them, and then only brings back around half of those boxes to the storage facility. And neither he nor Trump explains to the lawyer that there are this whole other stash of boxes that he might want to look through as well. So they are charging him with lying to investigators about his involvement in all of this and charging him with conspiring with Trump to evade authorities. How has Nauta responded to the indictment? So it just came out. His lawyers were not commenting on this case this morning. In the past, they have described him as having a very minor role in all of this, and being innocent of any allegations of wrongdoing. Is there anything in the indictment that is new or surprised you? What was particularly striking to me is they describe Trump talking to multiple aides saying, hey, when Hillary Clinton was in trouble over classified information, she just got her lawyer to delete 30,000 emails and she was in the clear, so why can't we do something similar here? And... That's not exactly what happened with Hillary Clinton, but this is clearly what Trump believed happened, and he thought he could do something similar here. And so there is a lot of new stuff in the sense that we knew in general terms a lot of what is described, but we didn't know the specifics, and the indictment lays out a lot of specifics, very specific language out of Trump's mouth, him specifically telling his lawyers, why do we need to tell him we have anything can't we just hang on to everything? Hillary Clinton's lawyer deleted 30,000 emails and got away with it, so why can't we do that here? You know, they have a lot of specific information that doesn't look great for Donald Trump. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by C3AI. 
C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. How serious are these charges? These are pretty serious charges. They they come with the potential for serious prison time. There's obviously no very good parallels for anything like this because it's unprecedented to go after a former president who clearly had very vast powers to classify and declassify whatever he wanted when he was in office. When Trump was indicted in New York earlier this year, he used that to rally supporters and raise campaign funds. Is that happening this time around? 100%. Immediately after he announced that he had been informed about this indictment, he started sending out fundraising emails. And we have seen quite a number of Republicans rally around him, similar to the way they did after the Manhattan District Attorney's case. That has been, you know, in the past 18 hours before we saw the actual indictment come out and the actual facts that prosecutors have assembled come out. So over the next 24, 48 hours, we'll see if the facts detailed by prosecutors in this case will have a different impact or if most of his supporters will continue to rally around him. Trump pleaded not guilty to the New York charges. And in response to the indictment unsealed today, he told Fox News he is, quote, totally innocent. And what's next for this case? Where do we go from here? So he will be making his first court appearance early next week. And very soon after that, we'll be on the lookout for if his legal team is going to try to argue about the case on sort of narrow legal grounds or if they're going to try to take this to trial quickly. And we should get a clear sense of that coming up soon. This is sort of the second criminal case to come out against him, and he still faces the threat of potentially two more that he will have to fight during this campaign. That's all for today, Friday, June 9th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. The show is made by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bowe, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Gadkari, Rachel Humphreys, Ryan Knudsen, Matt Kwong, Jessica Mendoza, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Heather Rogers, Jonathan Sanders, Pierce Singhi, Jivaka Verma, Lisa Wang, Catherine Whalen, and me, Kate Leinbaugh. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Gimlet's finest composers, Katherine Anderson, Emma Munger, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Nathan Singapak, Griffin Tanner, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.